Hello, world, and welcome back to the Millennial Outliers podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Justin Deal, with my co-host and right-hand man, Tyler Ardrin. Morning, Ty Guy. How are we feeling? Doing great, bro. Good morning. That's what I love to hear. We're ready for a best day ever. And for anybody who's into the watch game, who's into jewelry, we have a really cool episode coming up for you. Good friend of Tyler's that I've had the opportunity to meet. I'm going to let Tyler kick off that intro. Awesome, awesome. So, yeah, we've got my buddy here, Austin Schwartz. Um, so a little background on how I, how we, you know, met each other. Uh, so we did, I brought it up on the podcast before, but we did the Goldman Sachs 10 K small business owners class. Um, so, you know, uh, like I said before in previous episodes, multiple different business owners, all different, um, you know, different groups of businesses and from health to insurance like me to, you know, drawers like, uh, Austin, or I guess he was the only one, but, <laughs> um, retail, yeah, retail, retail, there you go. Um, but being, uh, myself a watch guy um i instantly you know when he said what he did walked up to him you know and then from there we kind of talked you know pretty much every class so um figured it you know be awesome to, to have you on austin and uh no further ado welcome to the podcast brother thank you so much Looking yeah, thanks forward. for being here with us this morning yeah uh so actually i want to kick it off with a question because it sounds like we do have a similarity in the way the businesses are kind of structured. So I know it's a little different. I, I started the business with my mother, but family business. Sounds like your father started the business when you were younger. You've obviously come in and poured some gasoline on it. So why don't you kind of speak to, because I feel like you are kind of the typical way that businesses, the succession plan goes, right? It's that first generation sets it up, kind of gets the momentum going. The next generation, a lot of times, unfortunately, doesn't do a great job of the passing of the baton. But from what Tyler's expressed and just from checking out your social, it seems like you've poured a lot of gasoline on the business. So first start us in the younger days, kind of growing up around the jewelry business, what that was like and what you learned from your father. Yeah, sure. So the way it started, the company is called TNS Diamonds. My father's Tony. My mom's mom, my grandmother, is Nancy. And then my mom is Susan. Yeah. So it was Tony, Nancy, Susan. And... <clears throat> Throughout my whole childhood, it was my dad and his in-laws running the company. Um, and they had a great thing going. So, you know, when I went to college, I studied finance at Temple. And I was like, all right, uh, sorry, this was during high school. This was my mindset. Like, they have their own thing going. I'm going to go try to, you know, figure out what I want to do with my life. And, you know, they already have something going. I don't need to go in on that. But then senior year of high school, my parents split up and then my dad got a little crazy, fired his in-laws. Mm. And <laughs> then when I went to college during the whole college years, I would watch like the business kind of decline because, you know, 20 years of him running the business with two other partners and then he couldn't really keep it up himself. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what sparked me to see the opportunity to kind of go in and be like, all right, he really needs my help now. This is actually a great opportunity. I studied business. My dad needs help with his business. Let's see how, you know, how, what we can do with it from there. Uh, and then when I graduated college in 2014, I went to diamond school. Hmm. That was just like a three month program where you just study diamonds. So I can kind of know a little bit more what I'm, uh, have some sort of degree that relates to the field. And then in 2015, I kind of just started building our online presence um, before going super deep into it. But like, just to give an idea, when I first got to the company, we were 95% in-store and 5% just like some stuff on eBay online. Mm -hmm. But now fast forward to today, we're 95% online, 5% sales in the store. Love that. Yeah, it's awesome. So, okay. So, um. Yeah, you uh, you you started you know with the name TNS Diamonds, right? What um, did your dad bring in like the whole watch idea, or was that more of more of you? Uh, he always liked watches. Mm. I would say, like before, it was uh, maybe like 60 percent jewelry, forty percent watches. Okay, and to sell jewelry, it sells a lot better in the store. In person, so yeah, yeah, like. You know, back in the 90s and the early 2000s when they were selling, all of the purchases were people walking along Jewelers Row where we're located. Right. Um, but, yeah, we kind of just – I just like watches more than I like jewelry, so I've kind of just been transitioning us toward that. 
Yeah, I mean, that's really cool because it's something you're passionate about, right? So and we talk about it all the time on here. You got to do stuff that you're you're passionate of. And if you're not passionate, you know, with jewelry, um, but you are with watches, you kind of pivoted and, you know, focused on the watches. And, and to your point with the online thing, I definitely see that because, you know, you look online at like diamond rings and stuff. It all looks the same, really. Yeah. <laughs> but you go for watches, you know, especially with the watches that you're selling, Rolex, APs, all that stuff, Royal Oaks, um, you know, it's, uh, they're harder to find and stuff. So looking for like a, whatever, Starbucks sub or something, whatever it is, um, you can't just walk into a store and kind of find it. Whereas, you know, you have an, I go on your website, you know, monthly <laughs> and look at the inventory and it's like, oh, this is what he's got right now that, you know, other stores might not have or probably don't have. Yeah, you know. Well, yeah, most, okay. I was just saying. Most importantly, I think time is money, right? So I think that's why it's a good thing. People who like watches know exactly what they're looking for. So rather than walking up and down Jewelers Row, asking the question, being defeated, it is nice to just be able to go on the website and say, "Oh shit, could they do have that in stock?" Like now, I'm going to pick up the phone. I'm going to make the call, set the appointment. Yeah, and uh, also watches are kind of like standardized standardized pricing. You can go and shop online, so people can kind of make a decision comparing a watch versus another watch they can be like oh that's a good deal but when you compare right. jewelry it's very hard to compare online it's more subjective sure. probably yeah, it's right more subjective and you you're looking at the, the clarity things clarity right yeah. colors all that stuff right yeah but um <clears throat> but yeah so watches are just kind of easier to grow an online presence with than jewelry in my opinion or at least that's what i've enjoyed more yeah yeah so with with the online side of things um because we always want to bring value you know to our listeners and and um talk about stuff that our you know guests are good at um, what, what made you go to the online route and was it stuff like you learned, what, what did you apply to, you know, the success? Was it stuff you learned in school or was it like kind of trial and error or probably a combination of everything? <laughs> yeah, definitely a combination of everything. Uh, in the early <clears throat> days, you know, it was finding someone to help, uh, build us a website and, you know, me being like a 22 year old kid out of college, hiring some company, uh, it was it was a pretty difficult process to be honest. Maybe I wasn't that easy to work with, and uh, it, it didn't end well. So yet. you guys didn't even have a website when you came in. You like got a website. Like you started everything. It was like an archaic website. Ah, uh, the old ones you call yeah. it. Like, what is it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So we ended up building the website, and then uh, in the beginning, I was the one taking the photographs of all the new merchandise and doing the photo editing and listing it on the website and answering the emails and shipping everything like you know doing everything from a to z sure <clears throat> um then we just for me i would focus on ways that how can we be more efficient and like use our time a little bit better so i found some program that allows us to when i list the product onto our website it will automatically repost it onto a few of the different platforms so like today when we list it on our website it lists on ebay chrono 24 bezel google shopping and a few other platforms um and then once we kind of started to get a flow and like all right we have a lot of inventory coming in uh i can't be the one doing all of this work all day long that's when i hired someone uh, and now his full-time job now is to take all the new arrivals get them posted on the website and then that gave me like five times more time to spend on sourcing the inventory so now I spend the majority of my time sourcing inventory, and that's kind of the stage we're at now. I don't know what the next step is. Uh, so you want me to just – sorry, do you have Actually, a real quick. Yeah, yeah, or, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I want to bring up a point that you were saying earlier because uh, I think it's really important for that transition for the succession of the business. I say this all the time with my kids. I really hope – I would love for them to go work for a large corporation and then come back to Payday and work with us to bring different ideas. Right. And that's why I love what you were saying is you went to business school. You're like, yeah, family's got this. They've been doing that. That's their lane. I'm going to go learn these other skills that are going to help me further my career. And, you know, just through the, the way God works. Right. Now you were able to bring all these different skills and things that your father didn't have. Because a lot of times with businesses, I think specifically when people have such an expertise is like they're good at that, but they're not good at business. Right. They don't really know the numbers, the back end. They're just like. I know this piece, I'm an expert, I know what I should sell it for to have a profit margin, but outside of that, you know, I don't get marketing, I don't really get the networking and the community side, like all these other parts of business. So I think it's so important. It's cool to grow up within the business so you understand the culture and the backstory and the why, 
But it's even more important, I think, to bring different ideas, because if that was you were always submerged in that culture, you wouldn't have it would have just been the way it's always been. Right. And you wouldn't have been as confident to go against the grain, which obviously has accumulated a lot of success for you guys. Yeah. And it's always like a grass is greener type thing. It's like uh, when you're working with your very small business in the beginning was just me and my dad, as opposed to now we have five people. But whenever I had an idea. I had no one to bounce it off, no mm-hmm. colleagues, no coworkers, uh, except for my dad, who's just his responsibility. Well, whatever you think. I'm like, all right, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then, you know, you think like you want to work in a bigger company where you kind of get to feel uh, that sense of like a community. Culture. Yeah. Yeah. And I did right after college do like the, uh, the, like an internship. Like an inter- yeah, internship yeah. Uh, it, with, uh, with Enterprise and, you know, it's cool to work with people, but then you're like, you know, you're told what time to come in. and You're a number. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hear yeah. they have one of the best training programs out there, though. Yeah, I actually heard that Did before. you feel, did you like, like, the sales training and, like, the overall onboarding? It taught me to work hard, mm. for sure. Okay. Yeah. And uh, they do give you, like, a lot of different skills that probably translated in more ways than I might realize to today. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, it's definitely a grass is greener type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the things I want to touch on, too, that you brought up was um, at first, right? And I, I think as business owners, uh, all of us have been in in this, this seat where you were doing, you know, from A to Z, right? You were listing them, you were doing this. And then it's really cool that you um, went to, you know, pivoted into how do I expand? How do I scale? That's where delegation comes in. That's when you start bringing in those employees because you're only going to go, you know, in the beginning, you're only going to go as far as you can go. And you're mm-hmm. as one person, you know, that's not as much as say five people um, and then finding other efficiencies in the you know, technology world of finding that program where now you're not spending, you know, every minute counts, right? I'm, that's something I'm, I'm always looking at in our processes of, all right, are we doing double entry here in, you know, in something, even if it's just 10 minutes that you save doing that or 15 minutes, you know, that adds up, right? 15 minutes a day, 15 minutes a month, 15 minutes a year. Now you're saving hours of time. Um, and you know, if you have employees doing it, you're saving them hours of time to where you might not need to bring in that six person because you can free up, you know, whatever, 20 hours a month or 20 hours, even every six months for this other person to have them do, you know, something else. Um, so yeah, now I just want to say that really cool that you did that. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And I mean, scaling in this business is, I'm not going to say it's uh, harder than other business. All businesses have difficulties of their own, but this is like a very trust oriented business and us being a small business we don't have super intricate inventory processes and keeping track of stuff so like you know employees could probably steal things right in front of me and i might notice or i might not notice uh so to scale you have to like yeah be careful yeah you have to be very careful <laughs> yeah, well you got your guy where you know like you said um when you brought that up even like in the back of my head i thought that a little bit you're like, oh, yeah, my guy's now, you know, sourcing it, putting on the website or not sourcing it, putting it on the website, you know, getting the inventory that comes in. And, you know, I've seen your inventory <laughs> on your site. I'm like, man, I, that'd be hard to trust someone that, you know, you got a hundred K dollar watch. I said watch. AP. No, that didn't get delivered. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I don't yeah, know what I, I would that. stress, man. If I was you, I'd be like stressed out all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, thankfully, I trust the, you know, the employees like and we treat them like family and we try to make them feel like a sense of belonging. And, you know, I want these guys to stay with us for a whole lifetime. Yeah. Um, But a lot of companies who have attempted to scale, you see them scale up and then sometimes these companies go bankrupt. And then there's a few of them. Maybe you've heard of like Watchbox slash Govberg. Yeah. 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 What, what happened with them? Because I went on their website maybe two months ago and it's completely different. Uh, yeah, they had to rebrand to a new name called the 1916 Company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. But they're a company that was able to successfully scale up, and they're like they're worth over a billion dollars now. Wow. But they do have periods where it's like they lay off uh, 25% of their staff. Yeah. And it's like, damn, you know, that was the market, yeah. especially in watches. You know, we were talking a little bit before this the um, podcast started, but it fluctuates so much. So I can imagine when it's in a down period. You know, they're like, we're not selling, we're not selling as much as we were, and it's less than what we were selling. Or they probably get caught because of the amount of inventory they have um, compared to, you know, the normal drawer. Um, they probably have periods where, you know, they they bought at all time highs. You know, they're buying GMTs for 20, 25 grand, and then it comes down to 16 grand. You know, they probably got to lay off people. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that they can anticipate that they're going to take losses. Yeah. You know, like I take losses too when the market fluctuates. Right. Uh, everyone will if, if you're it's like the stocks. If you, yeah. If you're really <laughs> yeah. playing the game and you're buying and you're holding inventory, you're going to take those losses as well. It's just about making more on the way up. Right. Than you do losing on the way, on down. The way down. Right. Right. But um, but yeah, companies like that, you know, you aspire like, oh, I want to grow and be like those kind of companies. But then when I talk to their customers, uh, a lot of times their customers aren't happy with like the offers that they get from someone like that. And then you think about, oh, why are they offering so low when I can offer so much more for the watch? And it's just because they have much more overhead than I do. Right. So right. it's like you aspire to be like them. But then you have to increase your in, your overhead and you have to charge more and you have to pay them less. And then it's like you kind of get away from that core value, which is how I built my customers in the first place. Right. So it's like and you lose service, too. Yeah. Right. Like you go on Watchbox or whatever, or whatever the hell it's called now. <laughs> and um, when you're looking through watches, everything, it's not, you know, I look at them and stuff. But that's also because, like, I, I know a little bit about watches. Um, but I also, yeah, I mean, you know, I text you and be, like, I'll ask you stuff. Right. Um, so like they don't have that where I, you can call, you know, go walk into the store and talk through it with somebody and like, you know, your stuff about watches. Right. Like you're going over history. I watch the videos all the time. Um, whereas, you know, you're going to lose that if you scout too much. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. But at the you know, to a, to another point for them, like they've done a really good job putting in processes of how to source inventory. Like they probably have so much data and purchase sheets that they could hire you, someone who maybe knows only a little bit about watches, and they're like, hey, if you get offered XYZ watch, you I can like pay within this range. Yeah. Right. You know, for me to build out a database like that, like, it'd be very difficult. I'd yeah. have to hire a team and, like, start pulling all our data and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Whereas, it is amazing to see what, like, the big guys track. We had our, our friend uh, uh, Ben York on from Robert Half, and I have those conversations with him all the time because they're a huge global entity. And it's amazing the metrics and the things that they measure, right? Because to your point, like as a smaller business, we just we don't have the time to build out the infrastructure, or the resources. It's like, is it worth it? Yeah, probably we not. Think. Would we be more efficient? <laughs> yeah, I mean, for now, for where we are. But I think to your point too, it's like, what is success for you, right? Like, how much is enough? How like those right? Like, do you want to be a billion dollar brand? I mean, it sounds like it's a great concept, but it's like, right? Do you have to then have all this overhead? You guys probably run pretty lean, I would assume. <clears throat> Yeah. Uh, as the business and then it's also like i know you're a younger guy but once you start a family like do you want to be working 100 hours a week for the rest of your life or do you want to be able to actually enjoy some of the fruits of your labor yeah i know yeah. i know you look at like you know people at the top one percent and i don't know through going to some of these networking events you you know you see different speakers mm -hmm. yeah. and like there could be like a 58 year old guy who has 100 franchises across the u.s and he's just talking about his daily schedule he's like i have this meeting then this meeting this meeting then i have to do that then i have to travel here i'm like damn you're like near retirement and you're working like insanely insane yeah. yeah but there's other people who have gotten to that same level of success but have created a comfortable lifestyle for themselves right yeah. so i guess it's all about you know what, what you believe you can do and yeah, yeah, finding your harmony yeah yeah agreed. yeah 100 so now uh, let's get into those watches. <laughs> um, so, you know, I when we first met, um, I think the first thing I brought up was Rolex, right? Because that's uh, at the time that was my favorite watch too. And I, we were talking a little bit before this. I'm like, ah, I'm kind of falling off it. Um, but when I first talked to you, I remember you being like, "Nah, I'm not really a fan of a Rolex." Um, but you know that they sell. So, like, what's your thoughts on the whole Rolex thing? It's not that I'm not a fan of them. It's that. We probably like that's our number one seller. Yeah. So I can't say I'm not a fan of them. Right, right, right. But, right, you right. Know, <laughs> but I just see them so many times. Like mm -hmm. for most people, they don't get to see uh, a Daytona ever. Yeah. A Rolex Daytona is like the most. That's all that panda you got after. So for someone there, like that's their dream watch. But for me, like I had five this week. Yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> you know, I've, I've had a thousand of them. So right. It's, it, when I see it, it's not that exciting. And right. I don't want to wear it. I'm like, Oh, uh, like another one of these. Whereas this watch that I'm wearing is something. That, yeah, show it like, to the camera, dude. Yeah, put it up on, put the, it up camera, on the camera. <laughs> Get like it up this. there. There yeah, it is. Perfect. That oh, that's pretty. a dope face. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's called it's a awesome. Trapec, and uh, the face is hand painted. They made 25 of them. I think it's really cool. Yeah. Beautiful movement. You can just describe it to oh, the viewers. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So on the inside, guys, so it's like there's a, a glass the on the inside. Yeah, so you can see all the, the mechanisms Gears moving and stuff. and stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. really cool. But uh, regardless of that, it's just 
for me, I just want to wear something a little bit different. Like people know I'm a watch guy, so when they see, they can't gonna... have the standard. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't just have the same one that everyone wears all the time. But yeah, maybe yeah. if I wasn't selling them for a living and seeing thousands and thousands of Rolexes, then a Rolex would be a little more exciting to me. So right. I don't tell my customers, "Don't buy a Rolex." Depends on what you want. Yeah. Some people buy yeah, a Rolex because, yeah, yeah. like, they're they in a, a business setting where they want to, you know, have something that's recognizable. Right. But then as you evolve in the hobby, you start to want different things. Right. And, you know, you end right, up right, buying right, for right. yourself or to show off to your other nerdy watch collector friends. Yeah. 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 It's like a um, it's cool because uh, the whole watch thing is like a segment of people. Right. To where, and I know you run into this all the time, but um, I run into it too, where like, say I'm rolling, wearing this or whatever, um, watch people recognize it, right? Like I, like if I see somebody with a sub or with a, whatever it is, a AP or something, like I'll recognize it and say something. I'm like, oh dude, yeah. that's a sweet watch. But like people who aren't watch people, yeah, they I probably don't even like, no idea. you're that's not a watch I, person, I'm right? Not, so I so like you know. wouldn't even think to ask like, yo, that's a whatever. Yeah, I'm more, I get that with sneakers, right? Yeah, like I'll right. say, I'll know the exact name and like you know, whatever the street name for the the sneakers are. And I, right. I would compliment somebody like, oh, those cherry threes. Look yeah, it's the same kind of thing. Right. Like, you know, hobbies always have that where, you know, there's a group of people that are really into it and they recognize that. Um, but really at the end of the day, like most people, they don't know what I'm wearing. <laughs> you know, I know, and it's funny because yeah. for me, I feel like everyone's a watch person because I spend oh, you, all day yeah. in my watch groups and like everyone knows about watches and they're talking about watches. But then you go out to dinner in a super fancy restaurant and you can't find one person wearing a nice watch. Nah, like, no, no, no. Well, I'm, I'm hanging out with the people of like less, much less than 1% of the population. But, a thousand percent. Because yeah, that's like 90% mm -hmm. of the people I'm talking to. So, yeah. so you're used bigger. to it. Yeah, and you're do used you, to Do it. you think too, like all the, you know, I feel like everybody has these Apple watches now too. Has that kind of segmented part of the market? Because people are like, oh, cool, I can get in super cheap and it does a thousand things. Where I feel like the traditional watches are like, it's a status symbol, right? For a lot of, to, to kind of call spade a spade. Where are these? It's just like a convenience piece. So. Does that hinder business at all or affect you or not really? In the beginning, people thought it was gonna. Hmm. And they're like, oh, watches are moving in this more, you know, digital era. But I don't know. I think uh, the brands have done a really good job just keeping like celebrities wearing the watches. Mm -hmm. And it's really influenced the whole media a lot to the point where it doesn't seem like it's slowing down at all. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny, like when I was first in the industry, I started in 2015. And I feel like for the first few years, most of the clients I was selling to were like between 40 and 70. Mm -hmm. But now I sell so many watches to guys that are like 25 to 35. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so you just like, said the influence market, right? It doesn't, yeah. whether you really have the money or not, you know, if you have it on your wrist and you can afford to buy that, at least for now, you know, that again, it gives people that, that feeling of status so they can. You know, rent the Lambo, buy the Rolex. And yeah. They're like, oh, look, I made it. Right. Like <laughs> social media, I can stunt now. Yeah, yeah. I know. I don't want to support that like flex culture. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah I think um, a, lo a lot of it too, though, is like for me, for example, mine, like this wasn't a flex as more of a, I think if you're well, a watch. An investment for you. Well, also, though, I think if you're a watch person um, or if you're influenced by your parents who are like in the watches, maybe, like my dad's a big watch guy. Um, I think, you know, when, when the whole Apple watch thing came out, which I have one too, and I talked to you about it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think like growing, if you grow up in that hobby or anything like that, like, I think you recognize watches and stuff like that. And, um, there's something about not having, like, I go back and forth and there's something about not having something ding on my wrist, mm -hmm. like 24 seven, because I'm getting like, I probably have 10 text messages right now about like business and stuff that it kind of stresses me out. Um, and when I wear it, I notice that it does stress me out a little bit. I'm looking at like, even because I go back and forth, like sometimes I'll even do it with this. Like I, I think that it's dinging. Hey, like, is my wrist vibrating? Yeah. Wait, no, I swear not. to God, There's like I do it, I'll yeah. do it like once a day when I first go back to it. Cause I'll go like a three days on with that and then back to a watch for like a week or whatever. Um, and for that first day, like, it's like, must be in my brain. Like I feel it's vibrating, but it, obviously it's not, <laughs> you know, I think, uh, People don't know this, but I think watch dealers might get the most phone notifications of any job. I'm, I'm arguing that maybe someone will drop a comment and like be like, oh, no, this, this might get more. But the way it works is 
for me to source watches, you know, I have to find a very good deal. And if it's a good deal, it's not going to last very long. And there's tons of watch dealers. So someone's also trying to find that good deal. So the way, the way to find the good deals is you're in all these different like WhatsApp groups. There's like a hundred of them and they're and like each, probably discords too. Right. And stuff like that. Uh, Telegram and Facebook as well. Okay. Uh, and each group is ringing like a hundred times a minute. So like, Jeez. you know, you, you, you have to mute lots of them, but then some of the groups that you leave live are the ones where I've been like, oh, like these groups tend to generate good deals once in a while. So mm-hmm. I kind of just have to leave the messages dinging all day long because if that one good deal pops up, I want to be able to be the first person to see it and say, hey, I'll take that watch. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. What type of people are in there? Like Watch dealers. Oh, yeah. Okay. And some of them allow retail clients, but like retail clients who want to be in, more involved in the watch want to start like flipping or something like that yeah or, they're yeah, looking yeah. for very specific stuff i would assume too or just they, they just they're hobbyists so like they want to okay. be more in the, there's like dealer only chats but then there's also like there's a facebook group called moda watch club mm-hmm. uh are you on that one no i'm not but I, I, it will be today. i will be, <laughs> yeah, it will be like, <laughs> i will be but they have like over a hundred thousand members and wow. it's just like uh Lots of dealers, but the majority of the people are just retail consumers. And yeah. it's like another place to buy a watch. It's instead of eBay or Chrono24 or like just going on Google, yeah. it's like a little bit more personalized. You see who's listing what. Mm. And now, then there's chat groups off of all of those. But like. Uh, I was going to say, quick question. Uh, and it's definitely like out of ignorance. So with like the Rolexes and things like that, are is it like kind of the high end fashion stuff where they release only so many? And that's kind of why. They become more valuable as like once this Daytona is released, there's only 10,000 of them, so they're not going to make more. Or do they kind of re-release like sneakers at times? Like how does that work within the market? Yeah, so they're not actually limited to numbers. Okay. I think the, the supply is just low, whether that's uh, done on purpose by it's them. Supply, or demand, play yeah, on their yeah. behalf. Or they're actually you know, limited by how much they can manufacture. Uh, seems to remain a secret. But like if you go in and you're able to buy the Rolex Daytona, just like the one we were talking about earlier, the stainless steel one, it retails for 15000 And you can walk out and you can sell it to me for 30000 that day. Hmm. And I'll go and resell it for like 32000 Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, and um, their Rolex, especially, probably out of all their watch brands, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, but they're like the best marketing company from you know doing the whole supply and demand thing mm-hmm. it's just like jordan's right yeah, where they're sense. like oh we're coming out you know with a release on tuesday or whatever um and then you know they're not kind of doing it you know mm-hmm. now it's a little different in that they're probably still manufacturing but like to austin's point um on that daytona you know example that you gave i can't walk in there and just go get a daytona for 15 grand you, you know what i mean because they don't, you know, they don't offer it. They only offer it to certain customers. I mean, you're a prime example. You. you went in, yeah. you, you bought a Datejust, which is like the entry level, but yep. you've been trying to get a sports model that you want. Yep. And how long have you been trying? Oh, God, since we met, right? Like, so probably before that, six months before that. So you what, two, a year and a half, two years? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. That, that watch retails for like 10000 but on the secondary market, if you want to get it from someone like me, it'll cost thirteen. So someone like Tyler might just be like, I'm sick of waiting. Mm-hmm. Let me yeah. just go get it from Austin. I'll pay the $3,000 extra and I'll get what I want. And I don't have to, you know, deal with these authorized dealers anymore. Yep. Okay. Yeah. But now do you, uh, I've noticed in some of the jewelry, uh, like trends now, especially on social media, <laughs> everybody's doing these like coin flips for like a little higher, a little lower. To, like, do you do anything like that to entice? Or are you kind of like price is the price we're firm? No, if they if they want to do a coin flip, you know, we can get uh, a coin flip going. I just I think that's such a genius. Like, it's just like, why not for like a hundred dollars higher or lower? Like, it's, it's a, actually it a very like a, a cool yeah. risk. It's very old school. Like okay. my dad was doing that. I've seen him do that in person since I was uh, a kid. But yeah. so, excuse my ignorance. I'm not a uh, I'm not always on social media. <laughs> what what is this coin flip thing? So people will literally they would walk in uh, to Austin's place and they would you know let's say would you say fifteen grand for that Daytona? He would say fifteen. They'd be like, oh, I was really looking for like fourteen eight. Right. Sure. And also be like, all right, well I will do a coin flip fourteen eight. If you get it fifteen two. If ah, I get it, so he has the opportunity yeah, to make yeah, a little yeah, extra yeah. money. Yeah. Or you know, he, I, I feel like you create or raving fans bit. on that yeah, though yeah, too, yeah, yeah, yeah. because like now they're like, all right, he's willing to work with me. It comes down to a heads or tails. I have a fifty-fifty 
And, you know, it's depending That's on. Cool. I'm sure he could <laughs> probably be gamble. smart and yeah. create a little little weighted coin if he wanted to. Or maybe play it. <laughs> Double heads. Yeah. The, the one's just like a few grams heavier, <laughs> so it should get that roll. But, get them every you know. time. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, there's, there's like some TikTok channels that mm-hmm. do that. I don't know if you saw like Moses. I, that's why I wasn't going to drop uh, yeah, anybody's yeah, name. Yeah, Moses the jeweler. That's, yeah, that's Moses the one of the, the guys. Jeweler, right? yep. And a couple of them do it, but yeah, some of them will get crazy. They'll yeah, be like, yeah. 8,000 or 12,000 coin flip. Let's oh, go. Wow. Let's go. Yeah, people are just coming to do yeah. it for money. They're like, I don't even want to buy anything. Like, can we coin flip for like a G <laughs> yeah, or 500 yeah. bucks? And you probably get views too for oh, money. Oh, 100%. Yeah. It's yeah, just, yeah, again, yeah, it's yeah. a cool, different marketing like gimmick. Right. right. Yeah. Right, and right, right. I get customers from social media, and these people also follow those people naturally mm-hmm. because, like, if you follow me in the watch industry and jewelry, yeah, industry, your problem is yeah, 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 it's going to throw them that way if not. Right. And, uh, I've had customers come in and be like, I kind of just want to go up to New York and whether it's a good deal or not, I just I just want to do a coin flip with Moses. Yeah. They're just like, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, they yeah, just yeah. want to go and have that experience. They don't care right. if it's a good deal or a bad deal. They right. just want to do it. Yeah. Right. From the marketing. Yeah. 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 Well, it's working then, I guess. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's why I figured I would ask. It just it seems like kind of a like, why not? Yeah. Because it's yeah, not like yeah, you're taking yeah, these yeah. huge losses and it's you know, sometimes you're going to get a little bit more yeah. you know, profit on it. But I will say that those guys, their videos are more entertaining to the general public than mine are like you go uh on there's two channels there's vukum uh there's a few of them yeah Yeah, there's vukum and there's moses and you go and like you get to see the live negotiations and the coin flips and like the deals they get and stuff like that that. yeah Uh, and anyone whether you're into watches and jewelry or not you're gonna enter you're gonna be entertained entertained. yeah yeah uh whereas the videos that i'm producing are more so to like inspire trust in people and we show the process and I talk about the trade deal and I show the transparency of the deals and yep. informational. You know, I, yeah, I go yeah. into the the knowledge of the watches so yep. people know background that. and stuff. Yeah. So I will say like the the videos that I make probably get less views, even though they, they do pretty the well. The one got dude, I, I saw like some three hundred K and stuff. I was like, whoa. Yeah. White flex. Yeah. 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 No, we've we've been uh, yeah, they've been, been viral, doing right? yeah, yeah. They've been doing really well lately. But uh Maybe we'll get less views, but I think like the kind of customers that I get out of my videos are, are going to translate be... more to business than, you know, yeah. get yeah, 10, million, views. 10 million views of, yeah. you know, probably 10 million of those people, you know, aren't going to buy a watch. They're just like, ah, oh, this dude's funny. Yeah. Well, even I learned from your, uh, you were showing it, I don't know if it was gold or rose gold, that AP the other day that you'd. Like just how like kind of elastic it was, right? Like the one kind of sat up when you put it down. Yeah, look at the lean, dude. Oh, oh, like, like how strong are, the band is. Yeah, it's like I'm ignorant to it. I'd be like, oh, I guess that's just what watches do, right? It just falls you gotta look, when you, you gotta lay look it at down. That. But like <laughs> to your point, it's it's educational for folks who are totally yeah. ignorant to it to me because I would walk into a store and if I didn't know any better before that, I'd be like, oh, cool, like that watch. Yeah, looks you would have bought it. Yeah, but that's why when people come to me, they're like, oh, I trust this guy to um, find the right one to to yeah. know that and. If it is in bad condition, he'll tell me. If it is in con- good condition, he'll tell me. But yeah. at least he's not going to just, like, try to s- sling it to me. Yeah. Right, right. Um, so go into um, a transition, um, which would play, you know, right off of what we were just talking about. In that um, Goldman Sachs class, uh, one of the one of the things that we went over was negotiating. And that was, like, your thing. Um and it did spark a little, you posted a video not too long ago, and I think it sparked a little controversy because I remember you saying, I think, in the video or you did another video after talking about that. Um, and in your business, it's it can fluctuate a lot, right? Like, you know, you might be able to sell a watch to someone for 15000 when it's really worth 13000 but if you get 15000 you get 15000 mm-hmm. Um, So just talk about, like, the negotiation process um, and, you know, a little more deeper in, into, like, what – what makes you tick when you're looking to do a deal and, and everything like that? Like you want to know what the- Yeah, just like kind of you negotiating, like how you do it. Um, do you have like a profit margin kind of- That you're trying to that's hit. That's like your minimum. You're like, I can't really take anything less than this. And like, I think it's more on your side because, you know, like you said, you're putting put them on online. The price is what it is. I, it's more on your side probably when you're buying stuff, especially mm-hmm. when people walk in the door. Um, so like when you're looking at something, right? Say I bring in this. You know, um, and I'm not a good friend because you you would give me the best deal, right? Yeah, but, absolutely. <laughs> but some I come in, I'm a random guy, and I'm like, yeah, I want to sell you this. Um, you know the value, right? And what like where are you? What are you starting at? Like, how's that whole kind of process work in your head? Yeah. So we stopped. We we did try to do a live negotiation. Oh, I remember. <laughs> uh, I thought it, it was does good. Spark too much controversy because mm-hmm. like 
the goal of a negotiation is to buy it for the lowest price. Mm -hmm. Not to the point where you're going to like really take advantage of someone, but you don't just start at the highest price and like, you know, you give them your top offer, then it's not a negotiation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I think when people watch videos online, they like to see the consumer win. Yeah. So like when the, I dealer, remember talking about this. Yeah. No. When the dealer wins, like, you know, people just come bashing in the comments and, uh, you know, my opening line, like whoever gives the number first is at the disadvantage. Mm -hmm. And me being a negotiation specialist, we're a pawn shop as well. I'm negotiating all day long. I always ask people like, do you have a price in mind? Mm -hmm. And that way, if they give a price that is lower than what I would have came out the gate with, then, you know, that could be a win for me. Right. Uh, or they might come out really high and I might just you know, kind of see that, like, this isn't going to go anywhere. It's going to be unrealistic. Or, you know, it just starts the, the, the battle off, in a sense. Yeah. Uh, they can, the smart move by them would to just be to decline that. Be like, no, I'd rather you give me an offer first. Mm -hmm. And I won't be like, Write no. that down. Like I, yeah, no, I still will. <laughs> yeah. But but my first tactic is always to be like, like, what price are you thinking? Yeah. To try to, like, bait them into giving me a number because that's in my advantage. Right. But, yeah, when we were doing videos on that, you got some feedback. Yeah, people are like, oh, why are you asking him for the price first? Like, you're the specialist. I'm like, it's a negotiation, and that's my tactic. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. if they give me a low number, I'm saying yes right away. <laughs> yeah, right. If they realize, say, you know, there's probably nothing worse that. than you saying yes, I'd be like, oh, shit, I went in way too low if you said yes that quick. Yeah. He didn't yeah. even counter. Yeah. 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 And I won't start people off with a low ball. The only time is, like, sometimes someone has a very oddball item mm -hmm. where it's hard to put a price on, mm -hmm. and when they won't give a price... Like, sometimes you do have to give a low ball because you're not even sure what is a safe offer on it. So you'll just right. be like, oh, like, I don't know. Could you do 5K? And then you just kind of see what goes on to that. Now, but, do you use them negotiation skills, like, when you're shopping yeah. or, like, the, like when you're, you know, when you're doing your own thing? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't buy anything retail anymore. Yeah. I've been... Uh, yeah, see? Yeah. It, it, it's ruined me. And right. The price is why. So do you do yeah, it? Like, yeah, when you right. walk into a store, like, will you tell the guy, like, you know, like I, I always, I'm like, can I do it? Like in these situations, like, obviously I'm not going to do it at like Macy's, <laughs> but like, you know, whether it's a jewelry store or like a car or like something like that. Um, do you use those skills, you know, during those times? For sure. I mean, it never hurts to ask, not yeah. to the point where it's like cringy, right? You, know, you don't want to be seen as like this, like cheap person or cringy, but if you can do a little negotiation, you do it. But I don't know. I kind of feel bad. Like we, uh, me and my wife, my wife and I went on a vacation to like, where'd we go? To Bali. Mm. And out there, everything's a negotiation. A negotiation. Absolutely. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just owning people out there? <laughs> no, honestly, it's kind of messed up. It's like they're selling <laughs> t-shirts on the side of the street. Yeah. And they ask you for like what translates to Five bucks or something. Yeah. yeah. I'll give you one. <laughs> and like I'm out there trying to negotiate them down to like three twenty five just just to like yeah, for the sake of doing it. Yeah. yeah. And and I don't want to be taken advantage of like in their own currency, even though for seventy five cents it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean nothing to you, but yeah, yeah, it's more for like a moral type. <laughs> but then I question myself later. I'm like, that's kind of wrong. Like I should just you know, yeah, when we it. travel on this and my wife will always she's like, Why don't you counter them? I'm like, they're this is a third world country, right? Like these people are struggling. <laughs> I respect the hustle. So I will, I'll pay the $4 that, you know, in New York would have cost us 25 for the same t-shirt. Right? But Probably then 30. on the counter of that, like I'll beat myself up. Someone on the side of the street was asking $10 for an item. And I think we ended up buying it. Cause like my wife was giving me shit about it. I was like, all right, fine. We'll just, you know, like, <laughs> you want it. All right, we'll give him 10 bucks. Then we walked into a, like a beautiful retail store. And the same item in there where you can't negotiate in the store mm -hmm. was like six dollars. Uh, I was like, you see, that's that's why, why I got it. He, he bought <laughs> yeah. it there. He took it to the side of the road, put Made his more box in. Yeah. Yeah. No, he didn't take it from there. He would have <laughs> sold it for less than that store. Like you, you could have gotten that guy down to three bucks. I bet. Yeah, yeah. ten. Oh. And I'm beating myself up over the seven dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's just like it's Ugh. it's more about like you know the way it makes you feel. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. Now, how about awesome? What uh, like what's one of the more like either unique or rare or super expensive pieces that have like you know come across your your desk, so to speak? Um, it it kind of depends what people are into. It's always a tough question. People are always wondering like what's the coolest item that you've come across. But as far as just from a dollar standpoint, it's probably. Uh, Two of them come to mind. One is like a Richard Meal, which was uh, like two hundred seventy thousand bucks. Damn. <laughs> um, you find a buyer for that? Yeah. 
Wow. Ish. What's the most expensive piece you guys have ever sold? I think that, that was it. Okay. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, that's a house on somebody's roof. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's that's wild. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. Thin margin still at those price points. Was it like were you making five thousand, ten thousand, or like two thousand? <laughs> no, that was probably like ten thousand. Okay. Okay. But you know, you're the you're, risk. Yeah, it's a lot of risk. Yeah, the I mean, risk is there. Just holding that. You right got it. You got to make more profit on those types of items because you know just the risk. Like you yeah. might not find a buyer for how long. Like, who has 270 to throw it Well, no, if I was stock, there's a difference between stocking an item mm-hmm. and um, and sourcing an item for a customer. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. if you told me, hey, I want this Richard Mill, I'm willing to pay 270 and I found it for 260 I'd be like, all right, cool, I'll, I'll get it for him. Yeah. Gotcha. But if someone was offering me this $270,000 watch and saying, like, I want to sell it, and I didn't have a customer for it. You're declining. No, I wouldn't decline okay. it. I would still buy it. But I would have to buy it probably for, like, 200 mm. and then hope to sell it for like 240 say gotcha you know like i'm not right. gonna i'm not gonna make a five percent margin on an item like you're holding you gotta leave like 15 percent on on an item you're stocking that like is a little volatile and you're not sure how long it's gonna sell right and right, how right, like right. how long do you hold like average inventory and then how often are you buying yeah well i mean i'm buying all every day, day every day okay uh but you know like the the rolexes that you know are, are that you know will fly off the shelf. You can work on thin margins, like 500 to 1,000 bucks. Okay. But on the more unique watches that you think could sit for one month or it could sit for six months, you have to build in a little more margin. You kind of yeah. just use, you kind of just like develop a, a gut feeling for things mm-hmm. over time, but you're like, all right, this is gonna sit for a while. I wanna make sure to leave this amount of margin. And uh, sometimes you're right, and other times you're like, oh, I probably paid too much for that. It's here mm-hmm. a year and a half later, and you tried to sell it at a break even or yeah. even a loss or like a very tiny profit right make that little mental note for the next time something yeah. like that comes around yeah. not even that it's like each of the watches are kind of like fishing hooks mm-hmm. you know and it's like you just like are throwing them all out okay. and some of them catch a fish and some of them don't right 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 love that now with the um to kind of switch gears a little bit because you brought up the whole pawn thing um that you guys do and i actually completely forgot about that side of your business mm-hmm. um Go, can you go over a little bit about that side of business? What Did you, your dad start that part, or did you bring that in house? Uh, he actually he got the pawn license when I was in college. I think that was like uh, how I mentioned how he was running it by himself. Mm-hmm. So that was like something that he thought was going to be a good idea to bring in uh, to help business pick up a little bit. Yeah, bring um, more revenue and everything. But for people that aren't familiar with what a pawn loan specifically is, it's when – say you have – an item worth $10,000 and you need money in a pinch. You can't just go to the bank to get it. Yeah. You would go to a pawn shop, you'd give them your $10,000 item and they would give you a $5,000 loan. So we would give someone a $5,000 loan and take their item, which is worth 10,000. Yep. And then they pay us 3% interest per month to pick it back up. Uh, so if you do the, you know, over a year, it's 36% a year, which is a great margin. Oh yeah. yeah. And the goal of the pawn shop is to give as many loans as you can. And we let people uh, not make any interest payments for six months to kind of like mm. give an incentive to pay it. No, to, to let the interest build up. Uh, you know, you don't that's like the whole to... store credit card thing. It's yeah. like 12 months, no interest, but then you get banged with the original yeah, 30, interest. I tell yeah. them, I mean, <laughs> each month is 3%. Yeah. But like, I don't want yeah. them to come in every single month to make small payments because. We try to do higher value loans, but sometimes you give someone a hundred dollar loan, which Ow. I try not to do. <laughs> yeah. What are they giving you for two hundred bucks? Like a, a an gold Xbox? ring. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> we don't we don't do electronics. And is it all jewelry? You guys aren't like the pawn stars who are taking like guitars and World War Two artifacts. I will or what? buy that stuff. Okay. Uh, I'll That's buy anything cool. that I think is cool. I mean, if they walk in with a really cool, I, I'm into music, so like okay. if they come in with a really cool vintage Gibson mm-hmm. guitar, I'm not gonna turn it away. I'll try to buy it for a price that. I think it's fair. But as far as pawn loans go, uh, I won't give pawn loans on items that require lots of research because for 3% interest, it's just not worth to... uh, The time. Yeah. Yeah, And it's 50%. Is that like the average going rate for whatever the value is? That's what the loan would equate to? (laughs) Like I I try to cap it off at 60 because the way you have to look at it is they give you an item and they don't have to pick it up for six months. Uh, Sorry. On the sixth month, I have to send a one-month uh, 
notice that they're going to lose the item. Mm -hmm. So I technically can't sell the item for seven months. At that point, it's it's 21% interest they already owe. Right, so they need incentive to pick the item back up. Mm-hmm. If if I gave them ninety percent of what it's worth, seven months later, yeah, keep it. <laughs> they're they're yeah. gonna owe me more than the item is worth. Yeah. So yeah. now they have no incentive. So right. like sixty percent is kind of like that that cap where it's like, if they don't pick it up, cool, we will make a little bit extra money. Yeah. But I prefer them to pick it up. You know, you kind of want these customers to like keep conning with you. Yeah, for yeah. a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how much? Um, like, how much are you doing this? Like, is it? kind of daily is it like weekly monthly it's it's daily wow yeah i mean we i invest a lot advertising the pond business because it's um it's kind of a business that keeps you recession proof it's like Mm. during a strong economy our sales are great but during a weak economy pond loans grow yeah and uh and three percent i mean you're not going to find a better interest rate on anything out there and you kind of can do some simple math if you can get a million dollars in loans onto the street that would generate, six months, twenty one percent. Ooh, you're doing good, right? Thirty six percent a year. So on a million dollars in loans, you would generate three hundred sixty k. Yeah, can't beat that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, are you? A lot of the times, are you? Like, do people always pay their thing, or like, are you selling a lot of their their stuff, or? Uh, like what? Like percentage wise, what would you say of people who just say like actually I, come pick it back up? Yeah, I yeah. would say like eighty percent of people pick their stuff up. Nice. Okay. So that's a big chunk. Yeah. And then the rest, you're kind of, what do you sell this stuff or? Yeah, we sell the stuff. Uh, I mean, we, more so than other shops, we really give them a chance to get the stuff. Like we send them the letter, we call them. Yeah. Try to get in touch with them. Yeah. yeah you do yeah, have yeah. to separate the personal from business, like dealing with pawn customers who are, you know, in need of loans. I'm sure it's like their grandmom's ring and they're like. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah but right. you can't, you can't yeah. get attached to the stories. Like yeah, it, yeah. it's hard sometimes, you know, they're like, well, ch- plus have I mean, someone crying in your face and you're like, I really just have to separate this and it's, yeah. it's business. Mm-hmm. And do they come in and like do that? Like, is it like awkward? <laughs> uh, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm sure you kind of come off like this heartless guy, but you're like, I literally hear these stories all day, every day. And yeah, I'm sure half of them are rough. made up. Right. So <laughs> yeah. I can't buy. Yeah, everybody's uh, sob story. Yeah. yeah. The only thing with the pawn shop is, like, people hear the the word pawn shop and they get kind of turned off. Mm. Mm. So we do have two separate business entities. Like, TNS Diamonds is one, but then we actually have a Google business listing called Pawn Shop Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, so I don't know. Like, Are they different entities? Yeah. They are. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's separated. smart though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In separated. the same address though. Right. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Most people aren't that smart. So nah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would see yeah. two different businesses and be like, oh, maybe they're just sharing off whatever. Right. Yeah. 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 It's a split. Whatever. There's yeah. just a wall in between. Now, how about, do you have like a, a decent <laughs> amount of like VIP clients that do give you, they're like, Austin, this is exactly what I'm looking for. This is the price range. Like, are you doing a lot of that hunting for people as well? Yeah. So I will say that that's kind of what the social media is like propelling in a Mm. sense. Um, All right. So the way to look at it is before we would list the products on our website, online, eBay, Corona 24, and someone would go on there, they'd buy the watch, you'd ship it to them. You might never hear from them again. Mm. Uh, But with the social media, when you put these videos out and people find you, it's like the person who bought that watch online might've just wanted a nice watch. They bought it one time purchase and you know they're good for another year or two until they want another watch but the people watching your videos online these people love watches so much that they're spending their free time Mm. watching videos about watches Mm. uh so when you get a customer like that that's like a much they're like 10 times more valuable yeah Uh, the kind of customers that i'm able to collect through the social media are like these guys who need a new watch every single month right um so yeah, to answer your question about that, those kind of customers are often like, hey, I'm looking for a specific watch. Uh, can you go out and find it for me? Okay. Yeah, and you'll source it. Yeah. Um, no. Okay. yeah, yeah. So real quick, and I don't know if you can talk about it, but if you can't, just say we'll skip it. Um, when we were in the class, you had that cool um, celebrity who purchased you know, some watches from you. And I know there was a kind of a trade thing where I think you might have gave him a deal and it was like, all right, can you post me on social media and, you know, share it and all that stuff. Um, one, can you talk about that one? And was there any other like celebrities or anything like that that you've done work with? Uh, I don't want to drop his name because it wasn't the most entirely pleasant experience. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> I remember. Um, but I 
I'm trying not to get into the celebrity world. It's a it's a different world. That's like more there's YouTubers out there that do deal with the celebrities and it's a very flashy lifestyle. You got to be driving around and the Lambo you know, and yeah. yeah and like doing the crazy videos and taking them out to the club. That's not just that's just not my vibe personally. Yeah, like yeah, the yeah. kind of customers that I am getting now are like CEOs of corporations mm-hmm. uh that you might have heard of and these people, you know, buy a watch like it's a drop in the bucket. Right. And those are the kind of people that I'm looking to get. That's where your target market is. Yeah. yeah. And also, what kind of like uh, like sales follow-up stuff do you guys do? Like, what are your touch points? Like you mentioned, so a lot of these people who are watching your videos, do you do like client appreciation stuff for your bigger guys? Do you have sales flows that once they interact this way, they're on like email marketing? Like what kind of campaigns do you guys do in your industry? We're just starting the email marketing okay. after – it's been way too long. I just haven't. I know like that really helps with the trickle down sales, mm-hmm. but we just haven't uh, put the time and effort into like making the email list. Um, but hopefully that's going to start soon. Signed up for Mailchimp. Okay. There you and go. You guys already have like a landing page that you are collecting a lot of your like because obviously you have like their credit card info and stuff. But do you get like email addresses? Yeah, we get their email and okay. stuff. I don't have an actual uh, like newsletter sign up. Okay. But maybe we'll do that if we find that it has some success. Yeah. Uh, as far as like client appreciation, if someone is a good customer, I'll maybe just like put an extra gift in the box for them, like okay. some sort of um, watch-related item that they'll think cool. Yeah, like a uh, Rolex hat or something like. Random. Yeah, little the little people love the hats, the jackets. The, yeah. yeah, but my head is like spinning all day long, where it's like I'm just <clears throat> trying to accomplish the tasks that are in front of me, mm-hmm. where I'm not really putting enough effort into like these bigger level. Appreciation F- stuff. Yeah, like appreciation, yeah. like efforts yeah. and stuff like that. But it's definitely something on our radar for the future. Well, and because a big thing that you're doing, and I remember you talking about this in the class, is like you and you mentioned it on right here on the podcast that you're sourcing a lot of stuff. You're trying to buy a lot of stuff, and you're all in these chats. It's, your phone's ringing all day. Um, I remember you talking about you're like on eBay, you're on Reddit, you're like all over the place to try to find good deals. Um, I guess the next phase for you probably, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but is getting someone in that in those shoes, you know, that can do that for you. And, you know, I'm sure that's difficult to do because you have a lot of knowledge and you that whole gut feeling. Um, but if you want to scale, you know, even more, I think that, you know, getting someone in those shoes is important. And then you then move to that appreciation. You move to other stuff, right? Yeah. That I was thinking about that earlier and uh, figured it'd be a good point to talk about, but it's so hard, like. I'm sure. You know, I I have a wealth of knowledge and market data that floats around in my head from nine years of doing this 12 hours a day. Like I'm on my phone nonstop researching all the stuff. So to kind of groom someone into that position would be really tough. And to get them to want to work for me if they're that good and that knowledgeable would also be tough because they're like, I could just do this So basically you got to bring a partner or something. Um, No, I think maybe through the social media and generating leads where – the watches I buy oftentimes like in the networks are make or break situations. It's like posted for 60K, I know it's worth 65. I comment sold. If you comment sold, there's no going back. Mm. So it's like, mm. I just bought something for 60K by writing four letters and <laughs> clicking a button. Yeah. Uh, so to kind of pass that on to someone else, it's risky for me. Oh, 100%. And it's probably yeah. like very nerve wracking for them. I'm sure. If uh, I screw up, I'm going to lose all in 60 Gs. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. But the clients that reach out to us directly, it's not as like fast paced. It's like they reached out to TNS Diamonds because they like our company in right. general. So, you know, you can take an hour to research it and get back to them right. and ask for more information and maybe ask like a colleague, hey, I'm going to offer this. Do you think that's a good price? Yeah, right. Uh, so if we can generate more leads like that, then that would be the way to scale. Then you that. can free up that time. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. How, uh, how often do you like run across or do you see like fake knockoffs and like how? How good are they today? Uh, we've like, done that in class. Yeah. I've tested this man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we've tested him. He knows his shit. <laughs> uh, they're, they're good for tricking the average person. Okay. Even like if someone's wearing it, I wouldn't be able to tell. But if they hand it to me and I start looking at it. You can tell like weight, certain like yeah. looks of it. Feel. Okay. Yeah. He was telling yeah. me like, ah, oh, no, this feels, you know, he, I wouldn't, I can't even tell, yeah. you know, because one guy brought in, remember uh, Mark or whatever he brought in, I think it was a GMT. And I'm looking, I'm like, this thing, yeah, it looks real and everything. Like, I couldn't tell. But, like, you had, like, you know, there was something on the inside, I think, that you were like, yeah, it doesn't have, you know, the the logo here or, like, whatever. Yeah, I think he handed me the watch. He's like, what do you think? I was like, uh, it's fake. 
I was like, damn, you're good. He's like, that was quick. <laughs> but no, there are some really good fakes. Like they sell fifteen hundred dollar fakes. Yeah, I've seen mm-hmm. them. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And those even I could pick up and you know, might be like, oh, this looks pretty good. But then if I get magnification, especially if you start disassembling the watch, yeah. is when you can tell. Yeah, but like what the gears are different and stuff like that. It's just the level of finishing. Okay. Like Something's when you start disassembling your watch, they, they didn't skip a millimeter. Like everything is professionally finished. Right. But these manufacturers who are trying to produce them for cheaper, they have to skip steps of finishing. Otherwise, it would be too expensive for them. They to have to charge 10 grand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. So that's kind of where it comes into play. Mm. But we'll see. I mean, maybe technology will get better in the future and, and gets tougher. The fakes will yeah. get better. Have, have you ever internet. been burned? Like, have you bought it? You know, because you're online. You're looking at pictures. So, like, have yeah. you ever been burned and bought something then, like, say, a Rolex, and it comes in and you're like, oh, shit, it's fake. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, this business is – it's like a reputation business, and mm. I don't pay anyone a dollar before I get the items. Ah, try Sometimes people, that. it's, like, hard for them to wrap their head around that. They're like, someone just mails you a yeah, Rolex. They ship it 000. to you first, and then, oh, yeah. wow, okay. Yeah, so nobody gets paid until it's in our hands, mm. and, you know, that pretty much – And you've always done that way? Yeah. Like, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, that, it does that make authentication sense. Yeah. process. Yeah. That's why I ask because I always, like I said, I'm a sneaker guy, and I've always been amazed. Like I'll, I'll watch some of these guys, and they know like the smell of the shoe by like slapping the sole, the noise it makes. <laughs> yeah, and you're yeah. like, because you know, for shoes, it is the knockoffs are like so good. It could uh, yeah. be like a few stitches are just the wrong way. But to your point, that's the finishing, right? Yeah, and like if you yourself wanted to start being a watch dealer. Uh, in the beginning, you wouldn't have that right. You wouldn't be like, I'm a watch dealer. Ship it to me first. They'd be like, well, who the hell are you? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so usually people like that, they start buying from dealers first who they feel comfortable paying. And then it takes like years. And once you build up your name and enough people can say, hey, he's good. I've done deals with them. Mm-hmm. I vouch for him. Then you can start getting stuff into your hands first before paying. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're, we're here uh, getting to the end. Um, and before we end the episode, I always ask this question. So um, can you share a failure that you've had um, whenever, you know, whenever in your life, whether it be business, family, whatever, um, and you overcame it and, you know, you really learned a lot from it? Um, yeah, this, this is always probably the worst out. one from last year, last September. Oh, it was recent. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know. You may or may not. I may or may not have shared this with you. But basically, you know, being in the business since 2015, and dealing with these expensive items every day, I got super comfortable. Basically, I got so comfortable wearing these items around and, you know, like in the summertime, short sleeves, you wear it, I'd take a video for the store, I would leave, and I got a little bit careless. Like, I forgot the danger of this business. And I was wearing a $150,000 Patek Philippe. Mm. Uh, Wore it home, got out of my car, and two guys ran up guns oh wow holy shit now yeah. i know this yeah laid me on the ground took the watch drove off uh and i was <sighs> contemplating the whole business at that point mm. i was like you know like i'm trying to start a family like do and i was at your house to... yeah i was at my house oh my gosh, they, they, you think they were following you a little bit they had cased you yeah they probably cased me mm. uh because the detective said that they got off the exit to my highway sorry my highway exit two minutes prior to me getting off mm. so they were already waiting at the house uh, but like it, it all could have been avoided by me being a little more aware of my surroundings, like um, not wearing expensive watches outside of work when, you know, I'm I'm kind of like a public figure at this point yeah. in the watch world. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that thing brought a whole bunch of lessons. But now when I drive home, I take, you know, two laps around my neighborhood. I have a small neighborhood Fortunately, so it just takes an extra like one minute. Yeah. And don't oh, wear the expensive routes, items. Yeah, like different that. routes. Yeah. And yeah, just a little like bit cameras more. Cameras and stuff, I hope. <laughs> yeah, we installed a. Yeah, security stuff. Yeah. yeah. Say so you license to carry, that might be the next Yeah, you might want to strap Yeah, well, I'm, I'm in Jersey right now, so I, I had uh, to leave the, the gun at home. Oh, you're, yeah. you live in Jersey or not? I know. No, you're no, okay. no. You're We're here now. at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you don't have it now. Got Yeah, no, I couldn't drive the gun. Back to work. Yeah. But yeah, that was like. You know, that's wild. A life changing. Yeah, that's scary, man. That's that's. That, yeah, I think yeah. you take the cake right now. That's that's that's, yeah, that's definitely wild. the best uh, one that's been shared. That's 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 some real life changing shit, right yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, and I was only insured, dumbly, 
outside of the store for thirty five thousand. Uh, yeah, so I mean, hundred fifteen thousand dollar loss, and oh man, you know, I got away with it with my life. So yeah. like, oh most, yeah, most valuable part, no doubt. And yeah. I'll never forget that. You know, the feeling in the moment, everything, and like how to prevent it from happening in the future. <laughs> Man, yeah. that's crazy. Well, awesome. Well, that's, awesome that's story. That's the mic drop right there. <laughs> yeah. awesome. That was it. Well, you want to sign us off here, Justin? Friends, as always, we hope you enjoyed this episode and have the best day ever. Best day ever, fam. See you all next time. Thanks for having me.